Hey there, everybody. Bob Bettybara here, and welcome to episode four of the My Friends Are Amazing podcast. One thing I keep forgetting to do with this podcast is to ask people to actually subscribe. Did you know that you can find episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio? When you go to your podcast subscription center of choice, just do a search for My Friends Are Amazing, and uh, please give me a subscribe. So this week in podcast news, I basically need to issue another an apology. Wow, this is two apologies in a row. Uh, actually, this week I'm just apologizing for not recording episode four last week when I was in London for the Embraco UK Festival. Bottom line, I was having way too much fun to stop the wonderful natural conversations I was having to spin up the old podcast machine. I did, however, get a chance to ask many of my friends to be future guests on the show, and I got to ask them in person. So that's great news. Here's some of the not so great news. It appears that I'm coming down with a little bit of a cold this week, no doubt from the fun that I had in the UK last week. So I guess another apology, apologies up front for coughing or throat clearing that you may hear on this week's episode. I just wanted to remind everyone also that in addition to subscribers, I'm looking for additional sponsors of the podcast. Our listenership is going up every week. And if you want to help me defray the costs of hosting and recording software and hardware, give me a shout on Twitter at bootnomlock or shoot me an email at bob at b-a-t-y-b-a-r-r.com, bob at baitybar.com. And you can also find all the episodes uh, on the website at baitybar.com as well. Today, the podcast is brought to you by Social Imposter, reputation management for social networking profiles. I can already hear what everyone's saying out there, but Bob, what the heck does that even mean? Well, let me tell you what Social Imposter is. Social Imposter is actually a customized service utilizing proprietary technology that finds and mitigates removal of fake social network pages on behalf of high-profile brands, actors, athletes, models, musicians, politicians, military officers, business people, members of the clergy, and their management teams. Basically, if you have a page that's out there in the public eye, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, any of the social media outlets, and there might be other people impersonating your person or your brand, Social Imposter is the crew you need to hire. So a huge thanks to Social Imposter for being my first and only podcast sponsor at this point. And be sure to check them out at socialimposter.com. This week's guest is Kevin Jisweski. He's a computer nerd living in the quiet life as a husband and a father in Midwest America. He enjoys long walks off short piers when things go incredibly wrong while coding. When not over-engineering code, Kevin enjoys making short videos on YouTube, American sports, and binge-watching streamed content. Kevin occasionally skips Deployment Fridays and spoils his kids with roller skating night. Actually, uh, we're recording the podcast a little late this evening because Kevin is out roller skating with his children right now. Uh, so just to give you a little background, Kevin and I met a few years back through our mutual involvement with the Embraco CMS. Actually, quite a few of the guests you're going to hear on the show over the weeks, I've met through that wonderful thing called Embraco as well. Kevin is a super badass developer, but when I met him, I quickly learned that he is also a super badass in a lot of other things, like being a dad. He's also super creative outside of his coding life, and he's done tons of other super cool stuff. Some we can talk about some we can't. So probably it's best for me to just shut up and introduce another one of my amazing friends, Kevin Jisweski. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Doing okay, Bob. How are you? I'm doing all right. So uh, I think you guys just got back from roller skating night tonight. Is that right? Yes. Roller skating night in the metropolis known as Columbia City, Indiana. All right. So that was one of my questions. So the roller rink is right in Columbia City. Yeah, you know, I, I've lived here oh, eight years, and I we only discovered, or I only discovered it about eighteen months ago. The wife was holding that on me. <laughs> so, uh, so how big? Like, I mean, is it a big rink? Is there a lot of fun stuff to do, or is it just an oval where everyone skates? It's an oval where everyone skates, and uh, all my kids love going there. It's like the hangout, and it's my chance to channel my inner sixth grader. <laughs> So inline skates or for like two and two? Oh, it's it's the quad skate, old school, you know, the kind that uh, look pretty dorky. I used, I used to play uh, inline skate hockey outdoors back in the day, but uh, no longer. 
but you don't so you don't take your inlines you actually use the rink the rink skates yeah I, yeah exactly i use the the nasty old ones where they probably have things growing in them <laughs> stoppers on the front um you know it's a grab bag depends on what what the uh the gentleman behind the counter hands you so the ones without the stoppers on the front are like speed skates right uh if so uh news to me i'm I'm really not uh an expert in the sport of roller skating um but it's very enjoyable um you you wouldn't think so (laughs) in 2017 but roller skating is still a thing so do they play modern music or do they play old school like 80s well, when you when you pass through the front door, um, it's a portal into 1987, <laughs> and suddenly everything is ACDC, big hairband, you know, old school roller skates. It's it's quite amazing. So it is the old school music. They don't play any of the modern hits. <laughs> no, no modern hits. Uh, it's interesting because when you walk in the door, they've got like handwritten notes everywhere, a very serial killer style. Where you can't wear a hat, you know, girls, no midriffs. I mean, it's just like all these rules and it, it's it's very old school. Do they do the standard uh, hokey pokey every night and any like hokey traditional? Hokey pokey, chicken dance, chicken uh, dance. and uh, the limbo. Very cool. And do the kids participate or just you? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I do hokey pokey and chicken dance, the limbo. Um, at at um, my age, I defer to the talented young folk in the arena. The flexible youth. <laughs> exactly. So do you guys do any other like fun family night stuff or any other traditions? Uh, we do in the fall, which I guess technically we're still here. We do outdoor movie nights. So I take a projector, a Blu-ray player, or an Apple TV and project on the side of a uh, detached garage, which is painted white and a um, little, little tiny fire pit. And we cook outside, and and uh, that's known as family movie night. Um, sometimes the kids will drive their little um, – you know, power wheels, cars, and do like a drive-in style, but that's definitely a Gesheski family tradition we do. Oh, Gesheski, that's a really good call because I think I butchered you in the intro too, so. <laughs> you won't be the first or the last. All right, say it for me one more time. Gesheski. Oh, so it's a hard G even. Yeah, there's no, it's, yeah, um, it's not like a GIF. <laughs> it's a GIF. So it's GIF. Shesky, Gesheski. I'm going to work hard at that because I know I butcher that pretty badly. That's okay, Bob. I know where you live if you get it wrong. <laughs> well, I get it wrong. <laughs> I get it wrong a lot. So, all right. So we got drive up movie night. And is that like a whole neighborhood yep. thing or do you guys just do it? Um, sometimes the, the next door neighbor, similar aged youngsters, but otherwise, no, we have enough kids in the family for uh, an, an infield baseball team. Nice. Now, I hear you talk about where you live and you often, I think, overplay the ruralness of it all. So right. how close are your neighbors? Like, I mean, do you actually live in a neighborhood? Oh, yeah. Um, so we're a, a, a metropolis of 8,000 strong. Um, the neighbors are probably 30 feet on each side of the, the property line. I live in town, so I can see the courthouse and the the mail uh, post office is walking distance. So uh, a bit overplayed. I don't live out in the country, but as soon as you live this, or leave the city limits, um, make sure you got a full tank of gas type stuff. The city limits of Columbia City? Yeah, we're only about uh, six square miles of of housing, and then it's 20 minutes to the nearest big town. I guess there's a couple of little towns for gas station. Yes, I do overplay it a little bit. But, uh, for instance, traveling to England um, takes quite a while on both the, the, the out and the return. All right, so let's – okay, so that's actually pretty funny and pretty timely. So uh, for those of you listening, Kevin and I just got back from a trip to the UK for a festival, um, an Umbraco festival. But you had a very um, lengthy journey home, if I recall. So Yes. So how did that go? Well, um, we said – uh, we set the alarm. We woke up at the crack of well, actually way before dawn in London, got that Uber ride, flew to, uh, 
Dublin, where I had a little bit of layover, flew to Chicago, which was, I don't know, however many hours that is. Then I had to catch a bus to uh, somewhere in Indiana where I left my car on the way uh, there and had to drive another two hours home. So there was plenty of traffic, plenty of the buses. I had to change buses once. And um, so, yeah, I think if I did my math right and I adjusted for time zones and stuff, it was right at a 24-hour return, which left me pretty exhausted. So uh, I just missed the kids going to bed by about an hour, hour and a half. So they didn't get to see me until the morning. But uh yeah, it's it's an event. So when whenever somebody asks me to come to Denmark or to um, England or Poland or wherever you know somewhere in Europe, even sometimes out west, it's a bit of a uh, journey for me because I've got to do the the travel website, um, you know, thing where okay, is it worth my time or money and and all this stuff. So yeah, traveling, I love to travel, but it's a bit of a chore. So. If you do like domestic travel, would you typically fly out of Indy or can you get flights out of Fort Wayne? Uh, we can get flights out of Fort Wayne, but there's the, there's the uh, convenience tax, I like to call it. So if you want to fly local, it's about a 30-minute drive to the airport and it's about a $300 convenience tax. So, uh, And then on top of that, if I connect in Chicago, there's a better than 75% chance I'll either miss my connection or my bag will miss the connection because the way they, you know, stack flights, um, a lot of times I'll get into Chicago and we'll just sit on the tarmac, uh, for 20 minutes waiting for a gate because we're the little tiny plane and all the big planes (laughs) get priority. It seems. Um, so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll either consider Indianapolis, go to Chicago or even Detroit. So I'm, I'm really like triangulated between three major cities, but are two to three hour drives for each one. How far is to Detroit? Uh, it's about three hours. It's it's same distance to get for me to get to Detroit than it is to Chicago. I guess that's a good point because you are relatively close to the Indiana Ohio border. Yes, relatively. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, we woke up. I think I figured this out. So we woke up at three ish, three ish a.m. London time, which was like ten o'clock p.m the prior day at home. And I think I rolled in, I guess I got home a little after 5 p.m. So yeah, so your day was a little bit longer than mine. (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't get in the door till 10 o'clock Eastern, which would have been 9 o'clock Central. So yeah, you you'd you'd be we'd left same time but you beat me by four hours um most of that though was i you know i live at least three hours on a good day drive from chicago so so in retrospect would you say worth it all that craziness on the way home it is absolutely worth it however i do pace myself so there's a better chance than not that i won't be at code garden um need to you know kind of make sure I don't neglect the kids and the wife. Um, we're going to Disney world in February. So, um, you know, just managing stuff like that. So it's not a snub if I don't go anywhere. It's usually because I, uh, want to keep, uh, the kids and the wife (laughs) happy. Yeah. I'm trying to figure that one out too. Uh, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to swing it with my company to do both. So I might, uh, I'd have to bow out of Code Garden as well this year, even though I don't want to. Will that will that be your first time? It would be my first time in a very, very long time. And actually, you know what? It might be the first time. I mean, once I, I didn't I didn't go to the very first one. Um, but yeah, I think I'm like on a ten or eleven years straight or something crazy like that. That's a, that's a good streak right there. It is, uh, and that makes it really hard to consider maybe not going. But I was super glad to uh check off the UK festival. That was that was definitely something I wanted to do for years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I England and the UK has always been a place I'd love to go and um gotta say it rates <laughs> very high on my best places I've ever been. So, yeah. Yeah. I was really digging the, the Huddersfield, uh, kind of the, uh, off the beaten path outside of London type experience. I really like that a lot. Same here. 
So, all right. So when we were over there, we filmed a little video that went live today. Was that today? Yesterday. No, that was yesterday. yesterday. So, so the video went live yesterday. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your YouTube channel. Yes. Kevin has a YouTube channel. Shameless self-promotion. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> so, all right. Well, tell me a little bit about All right. So uh, why did you start this YouTube channel? Well, I actually started my account many years ago. Um, so filmmaking has always been like one of those things I've just been like, gosh, I would I like making things. I'm a creative person, whether it's code or just stuff and um, making something that people enjoy. It has a f nice feedback loop. So I also play uh, musical instruments, used to play in some bands. I now mostly just hang them on the wall. Um, but it's the same sort of thing. I like performing. I like entertaining. I like um I like, I like making people smile. So a lot of what you see on there is uh, instead of calling it um, education, I call it edutainment um, because what I'm trying to do in a lot of these things is um, inform the, the, the viewer, but I'm also, I don't want to just be very dry. I mean, I include a lot of pop culture references and in my things, I try to break things down um, very uh, easily for everyone. Um, sometimes it's just a overview. Um, the reason I do a lot of these things is because, um, I have the, the want to, and hopefully a little bit of uh, movie magic skill to bring it to life. And, you know, the older I get, the more I kind of think about, Hmm, what should I do with the next 30 years of my, uh, my career here? And, uh, yeah. So, you know, you never know you, until you try, you know, <laughs> you might be the next big thing. You might just be one of a, you know, lost in the big sea, which is current status. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just enjoy it. I guess I can simplify. So, all right. So what kind of viewership goals? So like, first of all, Kevin is super prolific when it comes to these videos. Uh, how many videos would you say you've published in the past Let's call it three months. Um, good question. I want to say in the neighborhood of 30-ish. Yeah, so like 10 a month. Yeah, that's that's probably pretty safe. And they're Honestly, varying length, right? Yeah, so my strategy is uh, 20 minutes or less for something like totally deep and like um, requires lots of explanation and then the other end of the spectrum is is two minutes or less which is for the short attention span um society that we live in um looking at analytics you can definitely see people drop off i mean and i don't take offense to anyone who doesn't watch a video end to end because a lot of times i'll you know just get distracted when i'm watching somebody else's video and totally get it so it it's for all types. Um, some videos like today, um, I wanted to be quick to publish the Umbraco 7.8 beta because, Hey, you know, not everyone has time to download that thing and, and check it out, but they may have a few minutes to, to look at all this stuff. And Niels Hartwig demoed that at the keynote for, uh, UK Fest. And again, not everyone got a chance to go there. So, um, and then I guess thirdly, I'm actually going to beta test it while I'm recording the video. So it was kind of a, uh, just a, you know, I wanted to get it out there. So those are representatives, uh, or that is a representative of a, uh, of a video I like to make. Um, some of the deeper stuff is like, uh, dependency injection and C sharp and, you know, trying to just be real. Oh, we'll give real talk, you know, when I'm doing it and, and not everything fits. Um, we can talk software patterns later, but, uh, yeah, there. <laughs> so, all right. So you, whoa. Are you getting that echo? Oh, I'm hearing an echo. That's weird. Um, well, anyway, to talk about, oh, uh, I might not be able to deal with this echo. Why is it doing that? That is not supposed to. All right, it seems to be gone now. All right, good. All right, so at 1540, I need to take a look at that. Uh, so you talked about this video that you just did for the 7.8 beta today, and you said you pretty much you know, demoed the software while you were recording it. Um, is that typically your, you know, plan of attack or do you like to be a little bit more comfortable and rehearsed? Um, so I like to be more comfortable and rehearsed. So today was kind of a, an experiment to go, you know what, I'm going to experience this 
in, in, you know, in real time. So if I screw up something like I broke it yeah, accidentally today, um, you know, it, it was, you know, we're just going to leave it in there because normally I, I, I script things out. I just have basically a bullet point list of things I want to cover and I try to cover all the bullet points and I um, will go through, and if it's a coding exercise, I'll code it up, make sure it works. So then I'll kind of copy and paste it out of visual studio. Then I'll try to do it again live knowing that it'll work. And if I mess something up, I'm like, Oh, you know, no problem. I know this will eventually work. So I like to be more structured and scripted to be honest. So, all right, then I'm going to challenge you again because we did a video when we were in London or in the UK because we weren't actually in London. And that seemed to be completely spontaneous and completely collaborative. I mean, or did I just see that wrong? Like you didn't have an idea to shoot a comical yet. I don't know. It seemed pretty structured. So how did that all come about? Well, you know, I'm trying to figure out who to give proper credit to. So the way I remember it is Pete said something to me like, hey, let's record one of those videos. And I'm like, OK, the next thing I know, um, uh, Steve has the uh, the branding irons. And I'm like, OK, then somebody says, let's use these. I'm like, OK, let's brand some meat. So, OK, brand some meat. And then as the night progresses, we kind of all of us fleshed out a, Hey, we brand Bob and, and all these different things. And Hey Pete, why don't you kind of play this, you know, kind of a interesting guy with a twist at the end that says, you know, you know, have a little gesture and we'll seize Bob and, you know, make it happen. So um, it did come together very spontaneous and very uh, organically and everyone, everybody deserves a good amount of credit for, for that. Um, I had to do a little bit of, uh, you know, give, give, Hey Pete, give me some good BS, <laughs> uh, Steve, you know, here, you know, uh, w just wait a second. Cause it took us four takes uh, if I recall correctly, but everyone pulled together and Hey Bob, uh, scream, sell it, like sell it. You know? So I used to love wrestling back in the day, professional wrestling. So, the, you know, when I say sell it, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, that was my job, right? Just trying to get everyone's performance and like, uh, the technical details on the camera. That's what I was sweating. The performances were all you guys. And, uh, I was really impressed. You know, I think you had even said, you know, get a bunch of creative people together and this kind of stuff happens. So, yeah. Right. It was totally spontaneous and totally fun. So, all right. So you have the videos where you're out in front of the camera where you do, you know, your coding at the front lines, but you don't call it that anymore. Um, but uh, so you, you've got that where you're in front of the camera and then you had this experience in Huddersfield where you're behind the camera. So like, which do you like better? Um, I am the like to be behind the camera kind of guy um, because being in front of the camera requires you to uh, overcome those usual trepidations of, oh, what do people think, you know, and I'm not as good as the next guy or, or the or the previous uh, one. And uh, so there's a bit of that. So I, I, I overcome that as best I can. So it's way more comforting to be behind the camera. Um, that's just me. So I'm, I'm actively trying to be in front of the camera. So uh, the other way I'm behind the camera is when I do screencasts where you don't really see me, but you hear me. So that's a comfort thing for me. And when I'm in front of the camera, it is um, I'm, I'm I'm definitely working on trying to to hide the fact that this is freaking scary. So um, along those lines, I'm actually I have plans and my kids are helping me to create a new set here at the house where I'll be in front of the camera more. But I'm building a set so that that's going to take a little bit of effort. You guys are actually building it. It's not going to be digital. Um, so, you know, I've gone back and forth with should I do green screen? We did some screen testing. Um, I'm a firm believer and uh, George Lucas may disagree, but green screen to me is is, you know, a, if you have to, if, if you can avoid a green screen, that's what I want to do because it's better to get it in the camera, like very real, very tangible, very organic. And if it's digital, um, it, it just doesn't come off as well. So I, I did some screen testing and, and I can do the green screen, but I would rather do a real set where I can just be there. And, um, and I, it also gives me a chance to show off some of my pop culture, um, 
references. I love pop culture references. So that's that's part of what is in store, I guess. So are you going to document the construction of the set and make that part of the video series or? That would be clever and awesome. I just don't know if um, <laughs> if I have the time. So time is 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 very, very difficult to come by these days. Well, let's talk about the time aspect, too, because I feel like the the release of the Huddersfield video um, off road code garden video and then your seven dot eight beta review today. Do you feel like you've got a bump from those two being so close together? Because the seven eight thing did really well today, I thought. It did. It did do well. Um, so there's, you know, just like anything else, um, when you produce content, if it's relevant in a time context, like, hey, the beta got released. Hey, look at that. There's already a video. That's definitely helpful. Um, so, yes, in that respect. So if you wait a week or two, somebody's A, going to beat you to the punch or B, people aren't going to care as much. Maybe maybe it gets released or something. So timing is very important. Do you think if you came up with another like video concept over the next couple of days, even if it was something small, do you think mm-hmm. it would get some momentum from those other two, though? Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to. Uh, maybe, but there, I believe in also brand fatigue. So too much of Kevin, Kevin, Kevin all day long is a bit <laughs> tiring on people. So um, part of me wants to space these out to once a week, but sometimes I just get the feeling to say, you know what, I got an idea and I need to get it out of my head and just putting it on paper isn't good enough. So I'm weird like that. So have you kind of abandoned the blogging and just going to do the videos instead? Is that like the way you're going? Um, so there's a lot of bloggers out there. Um, and there's a lot of videographers out there. However, there's a lot more bloggers than there are videographers. So I find that not everyone can make good quality videos. And since I feel like I'm doing all right, that's where I'm comfortable. So yes, I would say blogging for me is less important than vlogging. Now, I did learn an important thing in the tubes of London. There ain't no way that any of that area is going to be, you know, good for a video. So I realized that I'm kind of changing audiences, you know, somebody can't casually uh, watch a video on a subway as opposed to casually maybe scroll through a a blog that's already downloaded. So um, it's different. So there's very few people in the Embraco space doing videos. So I, and of course, I don't want to limit it to just Umbraco. I'm, I'm going to try to expand from that too. But uh, yeah, I like doing videos. Sorry, was a long answer. No, that's perfectly fine. Um, all right. So here's a technical question about the videos and probably maybe a technical question about YouTube. At the ends of your videos, and I apologize because I don't recall seeing this or not, but do you have the ability to like put your own related videos at the end or cue like what's going to happen next? Or is that not a feature that YouTube offers? Yes, you can. You can put some digital links in. They're called cards. There's there's three or four options you can do, but I'm totally lazy and I don't do it. Um, What I take advantage of is playlists. So usually if you start watching a video in a playlist, the next video will come from my playlist as well. Um, There's some algorithm with YouTube that may or may not uh, make that statement true, Uh, but you can. It's a lot of work to be able to try to retain your audience in, in your own bubble. Um, and I'm still learning the ropes of YouTube. So, okay, but you could put those at the end, but you're just not doing that right now. You can. Yes. Yeah, totally, totally being lazy about some of that because it's a, it's a bit of an effort to, to take care of all that. All right. That's cool. Last YouTube question, I think. So that video that you released today with the 7-8 beta, did you also put that on LinkedIn? I did not. See, you're going to help me out there. We talked about that. We talked about that just last week. I'm going (laughs) to spam spam LinkedIn. You're right. Uh, No, because that would be great for LinkedIn because not every video. I mean, I'm not going to drop in my uh, dependency injection C C sharp into LinkedIn because it's the the crowd's not right because there's really no business of um, element to that. So but a company may be considering 
you know, Umbraco or has Umbraco may be interested in a quick brief on uh, the beta. So that is definitely uh, something we will do in the morning <laughs> for sure. So something else that I've been trying to work on because I'm also trying to build an audience with this podcast thing. And uh, we are 30 minutes into this and I should have asked you when we started talking about the YouTube channel, how do people find you on YouTube? Um, well, uh, if I look at through the analytics and if those are true, uh, organic Google search is actually leading. So for some reason, people search and click on my video. Next would be Twitter. Um, but Twitter is a bit of an echo chamber. It's usually your friends and people you know. And and um, what ideally what I want is people I don't know to watch my videos because uh, that's when you're truly transcending like your, your local your local uh, group in terms of stellar or solar system type milky way terminology and then um after that's github shockingly um and you may think well, why github uh, it's because i cross promote myself by going to my learn and Brack of seven book and drop in a hey if you don't want to read all this junk here you can just watch this video and <laughs> i'll explain it all to you so those are my top three sources Okay, I'm going to rephrase the question Sorry. for the hundreds for the hundreds of listeners that we have possibly listening to this podcast. <laughs> how would how would they go about finding you on YouTube? Um, oh, okay. This I'll take this as a plug. So, uh, what you want to do is go to uh, YouTube.com/slash Kevin Gishesky42. Now, I realize my name isn't very easily spelt, so um, the easiest way is go on Twitter, follow me there, and go into my profile and click the link because my link no longer takes you to my blog. It takes you to my YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to have to work on renaming that YouTube channel. <laughs> it doesn't sell very well. <laughs> but it doesn't spell very well. So, Right. <laughs> All right. So I right, follow Kevin. Find Kevin on YouTube. I think that is uh, G-I-S-Z-E-W-S-K-I 40 what? Two. 42. So 42 is my number. So if it's a very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, reference. The answer to everything is 42. Oh, so it's not like your high school football number or anything like that? If I had high school football talent, uh, I may, may have considered that, but I had none. See, I'm learning how to do this podcast thing because in my show notes, I have what was Kevin like in high school? And I just <laughs> totally threw that fish hook in there about the number of 42 in high school. So what was Kevin like in high school? Oh, wow. Um, you know, very shy, very quiet, very nerdy, very um, non-girl friendly or popular, I guess is the way. Um, my senior year of high school, I joined a rock and roll band, taught myself how to play bass guitar. And it was very uneventful <laughs> in high school. So if you were, if there was a most likely to blank in high school awarded to Kevin, what would that award had been? Um, uh, probably be successful because I was editor of editor in chief of my high school newspaper my junior year. And the, the reason I think I became the editor in chief as a junior rather than it's normally a senior um position uh my sophomore year i was the only one who could run a computer <laughs> so i think that had a lot to do with it and um so I, I i think through all that i think a lot of people looked at me and going oh well that that dude's going places and uh all it really did was uh fuel my midlife crisis is now here in my 30s so <laughs> all right so there's a little bit of gap to fill in between uh high school and your 30s so all right so obviously you had the computer thing working for you even in high school yes where where did that go after high school so you graduate pomp and circumstance get your diploma and then then what happens then I decided to take five years to get a two-year associate degree in computer science from Purdue University, and then uh, decided to join the uh, United States Army, where they asked for volunteers to be, you know, to be a paratrooper. I raised my hand because you got paid an extra $150 a month. Uh, six years later, um, I got my actual first paid programming job. So when I got out of the military, 
that's when I actually started getting paid. And that was in 2010. Um, so I've only been paid professional, I guess. I guess I'm getting old now. It's 2017. So there you go. There's a little bit of gap filler for you. So, all right. But so you're actually employed in the field that you are degreed in. Finally, right? <laughs> Well, yeah. And it's also, I think, pretty rare these days. Well, I think it's pretty rare for our age group, probably. Um, sorry that I'm lumping you in with my age group, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not that far apart. Yeah, so um, it is interesting. So, yeah, I have an actual computer science degree. And so because the uh, military has all these things called benefits, I only had an associates in 2010. And... Um, I decided to use my GI Bill to finish my bachelor's, and uh, Uncle Sam decided to write the check for it, and I got a degree in software, and I think it's just called software. It's not a very sexy term from Western Governors University, which is an online school based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. So how did you end up in the .NET MVC C-sharp world? You know, that's crazy because uh, I was in, I was lamp stack uh, from 2010 to 2012. I taught myself PHP leading up to, to me getting out of the military. And then um, I decided, you know what, PHP is cool and all, but I feel like I was missing out because it was a, you know, it's PHP. It's, you don't hit compile. It, it's just in time com- compilation. It, it's very scripty. It, it, it just didn't feel like a real computer language. So I wanted to try .NET. And at the time, uh, I was going to go back to school at Western Governors. .NET was the uh, the language of choice uh, for the few courses I was taking on computer science. And I decided, you know what, let me see if anyone will take me on at a job um, to learn .NET on the job, so to speak. And sure enough, I, I found a taker. And sure enough, they used Umbraco. And that's where I learned Umbraco starting in 2012. And the, uh, <laughs> the wild ride is still going. So that was that company, the first company in Fort Wayne, right? Yeah, Franklin Electric in okay, Fort Wayne, wow. Indiana. All right, and so when you and I first met, it was at Code Garden, right? <laughs> yeah, but let's make sure everyone knows that you scared the hell out of me because I had, I'm like, I'm going to Code Garden. I'm so excited. And then you're like on Twitter. Like I have like two followers on Twitter at this point. And you like <laughs> message me, where are you staying? I'm like, who's this weirdo? He wants to know where I'm staying and, you know, all this stuff. So, but yes, uh, Yes, CoGarden. 20, 2013 was the actual first year of CoGarden, which would have been the following year after starting Franklin. Wow, so that's weird. I wonder how many other people have taken my uh, aggressive <laughs> aggressive friendliness as just aggressiveness. I'll have to... Uh, yeah. I'll ha- have to make sure to ask that one more often on the podcast yeah <laughs> yeah so uh i don't know if people are very forthcoming with these things but yeah i'm just like man who's this weird guy's name boot gnome lock who the hell is this guy so fortunately it all worked out you're uh you're you're uh definitely no weirdo <laughs> well i'm probably definitely a weirdo just not the scary kind <laughs> you're friendly you even wore the sweatshirt uh to england so yeah, I got to get the pocket fixed. I ripped it while I was there. Not happy about that. <sighs> so we've spent most of probably, I mean, no, not even probably, definitely. You and I have spent most of our time together outside of the continental U.S. <laughs> yeah, not weird. You live three hours from me, yet I think we spent more FaceTime in England and Denmark. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I mean, even if you add in a couple of the U.S. conferences, I still think we've oh, clocked too. Yeah, I think we've clocked more minutes outside the U.S. than inside the U.S. So <laughs> I think you're right. So, where are some of the other places? Have you been to other places outside than those two conferences? Full disclosure, I haven't. Like, not outside the U.S. Um, just in general, like, what countries have I visited, or maybe. Yeah, yeah. So the military took me to all kinds of strange and wonderful places in the Middle East, uh, Iraq, uh, Qatar, uh, and then Germany, Spain, gosh, you know, 
uh, yeah, I spent spent some time in, in there, but uh, I think since I started doing .NET and Umbraco, I think I've spent more time in Europe um, post-military than I did in military because most of my military time was either in North Carolina, Fort Bragg, or Doha, Qatar, or Baghdad, Iraq. So a um, couple of those places I, I care not to revisit, but uh, yeah. <laughs> So what's your favorite out of all the places you've been so far? Um, you know, uh, because it's fresh in my mind right now, I don't know. I'm leaning towards England was pretty darn cool. So uh, the, yeah. our whole experience in England or like does London shine brighter than Copenhagen does at this point? Or Oh, man, you're going to get me in trouble. Um, We're not- not trying to do an East Coast West Coast kind of gang war thing. I'm just I'm just curious. Well, I tell you, the first time I went to Denmark, I was uh, I was like, "Gosh, this is land of Lego." Because I'm a huge Lego, you know, man child collector type. So uh, Denmark, you know, for me as a kid, I always wanted to go to Legoland in uh, I think it's an Aarhus or however you say it, but. Uh, uh, gosh, right now I'm leaning <laughs> in uh, London is probably more exciting. Uh, we, we still have some museums that we, we missed out on that I want to go back to. And, uh, Huddersfield was really cool. Um, for complete opposite reasons, London is cool. Um, I did go to the retreat in Denmark. I don't know where Neil's um took us to but that was amazing very similar experience i mean they're not like night and day differences um you know obviously americans we have um roots all over europe so i don't know you're making me pick man it's like picking your favorite you can take the political like they're both amazing um but since I've been to Copenhagen so many times, I mean, I always come home and tell people it's like one of my favorite places on the planet. Um, but I was super impressed with London as well. And I think for me, the my impressed, you know, with London was probably more like the direct connection to our history as well. So, you know, having, you know, colonies and all that connection to you know the uk history as well the british history i think that gives it a little star that star of connection that you know copenhagen doesn't really have for me but copenhagen's a beautiful city and has some really old crazy you know architecture plus crazy new architecture just like london in that regard but yeah i guess the you're right because we usually typically have an english literature um class or english history type oriented class and you don't get too much danish history in the classroom in america and i i didn't get the same like in copenhagen i always get in denmark in general get that super like hyper friendly people feel and i didn't necessarily get that in london because there's just a lot of hustle and bustle um the whole train situation there versus the train situation in Copenhagen. I never once uh, felt uncomfortably crushed against other people in a train in Copenhagen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We had a fantastic tube ride for anybody that's listening out there uh, where, you know, we got in and it was pretty crowded, crowded. And the next stop, it got more crowded and more squished and, there's a phrase in the military there's always room for one more i don't think there was room for one more in that train by the time that (laughs) we finally got off of it all right so talked about traveling a little bit oh i know so where are some places that you still want to make it to like what's you know what's kind of your travel Uh, bucket list my travel bucket list definitely poland I, i i very nearly went this year um so there's a very good chance I'll go next year. No promises. Um, and then Australia is definitely on my bucket list. Um, and then I haven't been to the Far East, so I'd love to go to Japan, um, maybe China, uh, possibly South Korea. Um, there's really – as far as Europe goes, Poland's my top. Um, I've been pretty much everywhere else I want to go. France, uh, I would like to go to the Louvre in Normandy um, for for historical significance. Um, and I think I can knock out all of these in the next, I don't know, 
um, before, you know, on the bucket list. So I think it's all doable. So if I had to uh, prioritize probably Poland first and then uh, maybe Australia, which that the the flight is already making me tired just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we I think we got to rest a little before we think about yeah. the next trips after that one. So, um did were you jet lagged at all after that trip? I think I'm still jet lagged. <laughs> I'm, I'm rough. I feel pretty good. I think I came home with a little bit of a cold, um but I'm fighting it. But yeah, jet lag wasn't so bad. I slept for a long time on the flights coming home and then went to bed really early, whatever night that was, Wednesday night. So working on that. Um, well, that's a pretty impressive uh, pretty impressive list uh, with uh, some travel challenges at home. Yeah, yeah it's um, <laughs> not easy to leave the wife with a bunch of kids. Um, I'm trying to convince the wife to update the passport so we can uh, travel together. My wife doesn't uh, get the benefit very often from, from traveling. So uh, hopefully I can convince her to come to some of these exotic places. Very cool. All right, so one thing we haven't talked about so much is uh, – jobs we've kind of covered your education and how you got your first job paid developer did you what was like your craziest job that you've ever had it doesn't even have to be in your field like could be food service could be anything what was that craziest job oh the craziest job um well food service is my early so i started my first job was flipping hamburgers at mcdonald's and crazy only because it was my first job ever didn't realize how much like grease i would smell like for days on end um how many times i would burn my fingers on the grills um and then (laughs) i i was i drew the short straw when a kid went down the fun play slide with a Overly full, dirty diaper, if you catch my drift. Wow. And so you left, you worked at a McDonald's with a play place. Yes. And he definitely left a trail down the slide. And you had to clean it? My boss, it was this was like 90 degree Indiana summer heat. She's like, here's a mop. I need you to go take care of this. And I'm like, you know, dude, I'm going to gag <laughs> 16 year old kid. I'm like, well, they're the boss. Get out here and get it done. And I get in the tight quarters of the slide, which I'm clearly way too large to fit into this. You know, I see the target in front of me and I just lose it. I just start gagging so bad. I'm trying to like push the mop close. I lose control of the mop. It like goes down the slide and I get out of the slide. I get out of the slide. I say, nope, not doing it. And then, you know, and it takes a lot of courage at 16 years old. First job to say, you know what, boss, I just begged you for this job and now I'm telling you to basically go pound sand. And that was, so did you quit? I did not quit. I just said, you're going to have to find somebody else or, or I'll find a new job. So, and they found somebody else. They found somebody else. Oh, wow. So how long did you do the McDonald's gig? Six months at $4 and 25 cents, which was minimum wage in 1995. I want to say, uh, wow, that wasn't scarring at all. You remembered all those details without me prepping you. (laughs) And then uh, I I quit because pizza hut offered me $4 and 35 cents an hour at the (laughs) parking lot next to it. And I decided apparently it's better to smell like pizza all day rather than grease, which is really, it's the same greasy smell so 16 year old kevin making big moves that's right (laughs) i got a big raise i put in my notice (laughs) yes so then how long were you at the uh pizza hut or whatever it was probably only another six months before i took a bank teller job and i only lasted yeah i was the night teller which um, you learn like all the different codes for if you're being robbed or distressed or, you know, all these things. And it's the first time in my life I saw a million dollars, um, you know, like in cash in the vaults, you know. So I was probably 17 at the time. And 
I didn't last long at that either because you had to dress up. And I found out about myself that I don't like to dress up. I really don't. <laughs> now, that would be one of the things I love about you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took a job at a video game store as as uh, as a manager. So I did video games and that's where Dude, that's like the holy grail teenage job it was and it was i at this point i I'm, I'm into college now i was like 18 i think um and it was a great job because everyone's like you probably played video games all day they kind of you know do it in jest i'm like well kind of yeah actually we did because part of our job we did new new and used games and part of your job is to basically demo games for people. Hey, you got this new game. Hey, you want to try this game? Hey, I have to know everything about freaking Super Mario World on Super Nintendo and how it's different from Super Mario 64 and Nintendo 64. Yeah, I'm showing my age here. But uh, that was my job. <laughs> and, you know, that was awesome. I love that job. How long did you have that one? Uh, probably two years. I mean, how much money? How much money did you give back to the store on a regular basis? Um none because we had a policy where you, you wanted to try something or, or whatever just take it home and when you don't they bring it back so you guys were basically what if, what is that fly what is that service now where you can get oh gamefly you guys are you were basically gamefly before gamefly existed yes we were so in in fort wayne we had three locations um and it was a video game trading operation so the idea is you bring me your old games trade for other games and if you really want to you can sell them to me and you can put them towards the new games we were kind of a pawn shop of video games nice so what was after that uh gosh you're testing me now um oh circuit city remember circuit city oh. <laughs> so that was full-time commission so basically you know sell you know get paid so um i got <laughs> yeah so i sold computers and this was like at the height of like napster and stuff it was like 1999 into 2000 and uh you know we just crossed like the one gigahertz computer or uh processing speed um the imac got reissued um i think it's the imac yeah with the color so it was like the you get the teal blue one or the pink one so that was the era that i was selling computers i was i did pretty damn good um and that's where i got a lot of my sales chops so i wouldn't tell you that i'm a salesperson now but i can definitely tell you the uh, abcs of sales which is always be closing i mean they trained us up pretty darn good of course circuit city's out of business now but uh but you guys did get sales training though that's pretty great hell yeah we did so what are some of the abcs the cond super condensed version <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest thing, and this works in agency life, so this totally applies, you know, you got to qualify your customer, figure out what they want. Just don't sell them a canned solution because there's a good chance that your canned solution doesn't fit. So don't oversell them and then don't undersell them. You may ask some qualifying questions and find out they want your high end PC instead of the low end one. Or, you, you know, you may... Uh, try to push the one computer on them because it pays you the most rather than really get them into the sale um, or into the, the, the thing that they need, which actually may compromise trust and kind of screw you on future sales. So um, the only aspect of commission sales that I absolutely detested was the extended warranty pressure that I had to hit numbers because I don't believe in that stuff. I really didn't. Uh, I get paid a lot if I sell it to you, but the problem is, is I didn't believe in it. And that's another thing you learn about um, what you do. If you don't believe in what you're doing, um, you won't last long because um, I mean, you just won't. You have to believe in what you're doing. So that's very important takeaway I got from all that. Dude, that was great. Um, did you guys learn about handling objections in your sales training or was it mostly about? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So have you ever seen the movie Boiler Room with, uh, shoot, uh, Ben Affleck and Giovanni Ribisi? Basically, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's like a stock thing. So, yes. Uh, so for every rejection, you should have a rebuttal and 
after you do it long enough, you get the, well, my wife doesn't want it. Well, you know, then you just you insert a can statement here because you've been down this road. Um, another thing is, is you, you use visuals. So I created my own visuals and, and just like when you're in the finance office with a car salesman, you know, they're trying to sell you the warranty. What they do is they use a pen and they, they circle things and they put things and they cross things out and they make it seem like, you know, this is like, you know, engaging experience. And absolutely, I got all that training. And again, it comes down to if you don't believe what you're selling, they won't believe you to buy it. And a lot of times I, I just I just tell the people I say, look, you don't want this. <laughs> and that's definitely not what my sales manager wanted me to say. In fact, usually when I sold the warranty, it was um, because I I had to sell it to him, and the customer immediately said yes. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, you want it? All right, <laughs> let me add it here. Because so I, I was the type I wasn't going to talk you into it. Right. I I would ask you, and I'm supposed to. And if you want it, I'm going to let you buy it. But I ain't going to hard sell you on it. Wow, so you've done a lot. I never would have guessed that. <laughs> um, that's one of my flaws. I've I've had a lot of jobs over the years, a lot of experience uh, you know, across the board, really. Well, so given all that experience, and we've talked about this last week as well, so what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> well, um, I'm 39, and the number of midlife crises has um, come more frequently these days. Um, if I were able to pivot careers right now, uh, a brewery would be awesome. Uh, a toy store, like a high-end, like Melissa and Doug, Lego, you know, Playmobil, like those fancy Euro toy stores. Yeah, one of those would be kind of cool. Just, just to run one because I'm a man child. Um, uh, what else? Uh, some sort of amazing indie film career, um, even if it's YouTube based. Oh gosh, I've probably forgotten some of the other things I'd like to do. I love sports, but I don't know if I really have a niche for sports. I think I'm more on the consuming side of American sports so it's hard to say outside of that so that's kind of what i want to do when i grow I heard up somebody say the other day i can't remember um that they believe that there's seriously a market for like a youtube type thing just for people to talk about sports like that there's still a niche for that possibly Possibly, but I tell you, let me pivot real quick. I tell you where I think there is a market it's for people who work at home who get lonely and need that federation of other lonely at home workers, some sort of social network to knit all those people together. So that would also be one of those sorts of things that kind of piques my interest. Only problem with that is, is that's kind of more the same of what I'm doing now, which sounds very technology. I almost want to get out of technology one day. Um, but I don't know when that day is. Well, what if, okay. So I think you always think of projects like that. Like if you conceive of that project, like that social network that you feel like you, you'd feel compelled to build it. What if you just conceived it and then jobbed it out for the build? Um, I think you also assume I would be financing said project <laughs> and uh, I don't think I, I could. So I'm, I'm for the record, I'm an engineer um, I, business. I've, I've had some managerial experience. I've had sales experience. None of those give me the satisfaction I get like engineering does. So being able to build something and be the guy that sits back and goes, yeah, I built that. Yeah. Your company is you know, kicking butt because we, we built that. So I don't know if I could hand the keys over to somebody like that. Terribly easy. Well, I've got my, my other buddy. I'm, I apparently know plenty of Kevin's, but my other buddy, Kevin doesn't know a lick about how software is made, but he's launched like three software companies. It's just crazy. And that's that just what good. made me think of that when you said, you know, cause I think it is a great, that social network's a great idea. I just think it'd be more fun to have somebody else build it. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it would be. Uh, trust me, I, I like video games. I've tried probably five times in my life to make video games to to different degrees of success. And at the end of the day, sometimes I go, you know what? 
I just like playing games rather than trying to build the darn things. So I understand, you know, where the the mentality is on. Sometimes you just want to use it and be a consumer rather than be the maintainer, engineer, producer. So I definitely see that. I, w- I would also label myself a Steve Wozniak and not a Steve Jobs um, in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah. I don't know. You're sounding more and more visionary to me all the time. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe just got to grow into that part. Maybe. I mean, Steve Jobs was an amazing person. I just don't have the asshole gene, or I don't know if you can bleep that, um, that uh, is required of such um, a career uh, or such a visionary. I'm more of a, uh, I like to think I'm more of a humble person, but it, yeah. So maybe that's a thing. I don't think I have to bleep that. I think that's actually still like PG-13 these days. So, All right. Sweet. You're right. You're right. 1980s <laughs> would totally have not bleeped that in a PG-13. Exactly. And I'm, for, I'm guaranteed today's day they're not going to bleep it either. Um, all right. So one of the last things that I ask people on the podcast is uh, who do you think – would be a good person for me to interview next could be somebody that you and I know together, or could be someone that you know that you would introduce me to. Oh my gosh. Um, do you have Neil deGrasse Tyson's phone number? Let's start with that. I do not. You would have to have it. Cause I don't know him. <laughs> okay. All right. Cause if you get that interview, I want to be right there with my popcorn, you know, listening live. So, um, I think we would fly to that one. If that was, if someone could wire that up, I think you and I would fly to that one. You know, um, gosh, people, gosh, this is totally on the spot. Bob didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't prepare myself here. Um, Hmm. I know a lot of people um, that are super interesting. So does it have to fit the mold of uh, you have to know them? Let's let's go with that. Well, that's usually where I go first if it's somebody you and I know together. If not, then I'd have to rely on you to make the introduction. Well, you know – Maybe this is too easy, but, you know, having just spent a week with Pete Duncanson, I would I would nominate Pete. All right. So no one else has nominated him yet. So good on you. I think that's a great call. So, yeah, he's definitely on my radar for sure. Sweet. Yes. Um, And then the last question I have for you. Sorry, I lied about the last question, but I did remember (laughs) one other question. Any other cool video projects coming up that you can tell us about or is everything on the hush hush right now? Uh, if everything were on the hush hush, that would indicate I have some sort of, um, you know, intellectual property I'm trying to uh, protect, which I don't. So I've got a few things um, I've, I've got. And what I do is I, I, I create basically a notepad plus plus of named different things with different bullet points. So I've got one labeled microservices, which I have a lot of thoughts on microservices, good and bad and ugly. Um, unit testing, I started a unit testing part one type thing. I wanted to kind of expand on that. And then Git as a source control. I love Git, and it's, I think, well underused in the uh, um, computer science world. And there's some people who are really good at it, but there's a lot of people who who just do the bare minimum and aren't necessarily understanding it, that how powerful the tool. So there's that. And then um, I want to try to branch out into more, you know, the life and times of a coder. Um, what is the coding life like the, the trouble there as I'm having trouble kind of fleshing out because a Silicon Valley developer is the, they work 25 hours a day crushing it air quotes. And that's a different lifestyle <laughs> that I lead. I live in the middle of nowhere, a remote worker, um, doing things at a, my, my employer, um, tonic, they, they take really good care of me as far as a work-life balance in general. So I'm not even sure if it's interesting. Maybe I might be too boring along those lines. So that's kind of uh, what's in the, uh, the thoughts right now of future stuff. Well, you're definitely not boring. That's why you're on the My Friends Are Amazing podcast because <laughs> you're amazing. And uh, I think on that, uh, unless you have a parting thought, I think we can probably we're, – we're an hour in. That went really fast. So um, I think we could say goodnight. All right. But no, I, that's it. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Thank you. All right. Thanks.
Well, this is just crazy. I can't tell you how much fun it's been doing these so far. And I, it just, I think it's just going to keep getting better. Uh, with practice, I'm going to be able to ask better questions. But, you know, uh, Kevin and I had a great time again tonight, and I think we covered a pretty wide gamut. His life as a, a dad, a coder, served in the militaries, traveled a little bit, and has a long list of traveling he wants to do. So just a big thanks to Kevin for being on the show again. And hey, be sure to check out his uh, YouTube channel uh, at uh, youtube.com. And it's Kevin, G-I-S-Z-E-W-S-K-I-42. So check him out on YouTube and uh, please, uh, if you've liked the podcast so far and looking forward to getting updated on new episodes, click subscribe, visit us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, tons of different podcast networks, or you can visit the website at Beatty-Bar.com, B-A-T-Y-B-A-R-R.com. And to close things out tonight, a special thanks to our sponsor, SocialImposter.com. S-O-C-I-A-L-I-M-P-O-S-T-O-R.com, socialimposter.com. If you've got social media sites and you're worried about people impersonating you or your brand, go check out socialimposter.com. Thanks. And until uh, next week, talk to you soon. 